Hello, everyone, and welcome to Trafficked. This is Dottie Laster, your host. We are on Hear Women Talk Radio, produced by the Zeus Network. I am talking with a raspy voice today because I had such an amazing day yesterday. And I think from all the happiness and yelling, it, I just, uh, well, I'm spent. <laughs> the reason I was so happy is that six years ago, as part of my job at YMCA, I greeted newly arrived refugees at the airport and took them to their new home. That's a duty that all staff there share in. And I tell you, it's more fun than going to Disneyland. So six years ago, September, I met a young man from Sierra Leone. He'd been in a refugee camp for many years in Ghana, and he had just been relocated to Houston, Texas. So it's late at night. I meet him at the airport, and all the way back, the 45-minute ride to his new apartment where he begins his new life, he talked about the dreams he had now that he was in the United States, now that he had escaped war and left the refugee camp and what he wanted to do. Well, part of that promise that we made to each other that night is that when he got his U.S. citizenship, that I would attend the swearing-in ceremony. So yesterday, I got up at 4.30 a.m. my time. I drove to the ceremony, and I witnessed the most beautiful event where over 1,100 people with all amazing stories, just as moving and special as Thomas's, received their U.S. citizenship. So pardon my voice, but it was for a good cause, and I can't tell you the joy and pride that I felt to be a U.S. citizen, and the wonderful people that we now add to that family. So anyhow, that's my rave for the day. If you're looking for something to do, if you're bored, I suggest go attend one of these ceremonies. They happen about every quarter, uh, about every four, three to four months. I can't tell you. I mean, what would be more fun? <laughs> okay, I'm going to move forward quickly. We have a jam-packed show today with awesome guests great stories of accomplishment and I want to start with a good friend and, co friend and colleague that I've met through my work in this issue Glendine Grant she is the mother of missing woman Jessie Foster and Glendine hello good morning hi Dottie thank you for having me and, and I'm so pleased to be talking to you well, you are calling from Canada, and I think what's important to note is that our first half, we are going to be speaking about Canada, and can you tell me briefly about your daughter, because we're going to do a show about her case later, but I want people to understand, and then I'd like you to have the honor of introducing our next guest. Thank you very much. Yes, I will. Um, my daughter, Jessie Foster, went missing March 29, 2006. She is suspected to be a victim of human trafficking. She was lured down to the United States from Canada in what has been called a classic case of human trafficking. She was kept down there for 10 months. Uh, she went missing when she was trying to come back to Canada. Uh, when she went missing, we found out a lot of information, such as um, she had been beat and forced to work at an um, escort agency, that she had been hospitalized from beating, and that she was... Um, truly a victim of modern-day slavery. Since Jessie has been missing, I've worked tirelessly to keep her name in the media, in the minds of people, 
um, and, and now I've been working to help bring more attention to human trafficking. I go into high schools with Crime Stoppers um, with a program that I've helped develop, and we do some education programs to them. Um, it, it's amazing to see the reactions we get from them when they realize that Jessie is, you know, from the same town that they're from and that she was um, caught up in a web back when she was still in high school made it more real to them. Uh, what had happened was the person that took Jessie down to the United States when she was 20 was somebody that she had actually met when she was still in high school. So, so that's really a key point, Glendine, that I always try to highlight, is these guys are actively targeting and recruiting um, their yeah. their merchandise for, like, you know, that's the way they see it. And three your tireless... And three your tireless efforts... Okay. You go ahead, please. I was saying, through your tireless efforts, you've learned more and more about these tactics and educated others. And due to your work and our connection, you highlighted me to a wonderful um, member of Parliament, Joy Smith. And could you uh, could you introduce her? She's done amazing things to protect our children, which they are actively targeting. Oh, exactly. That's right. Um, Joy has done an awful lot. You know, with, when I met her, she was actually receiving a Jesse Foster Award for the work she'd done to bring human trafficking awareness. And she had, at that point, a bill, C-268, that she had was trying to have the laws changed so that there was mandatory minimum sentencing on people convicted of human trafficking of minors. And, of course, she'll be able to explain it a lot more than I but she is a, a member of Canadian Parma Parliament, and oh, she was uh, actually she hosted the Walk for Justice team when they walked from Kamloops to Winnipeg, Manitoba, just this past summer, and um, gave them the honor of hosting um, a barbecue for them. So she's very active. You know, she's she participates in walks to bring awareness uh, to human trafficking, and uh, and it's Mrs. Joy Smith, and I'm pleased to present her to you. Thank you, Glendine, and we are going to have you back at a later date where we can get deeper into Jesse's case. Thank you so much, you. and welcome, welcome Member of Parliament, Joy Smith. My pleasure to be here, Dottie. Well, I understand you're calling from a phone booth in the House of Commons. <laughs> yes, I am. It's the only quiet place here today. <laughs> Well, I want our audience to know that we are surrounded by a group of superheroes, and she is one of them, although she claims to not have a cape. So we'll see what we can do about that. <laughs> um, thank you for being with us and taking time out of your busy day. I know your schedule is very packed. What I thought would be interesting to focus on, because I've read um, a lot about your work, and we, could, we would have to do about a, a week of shows to even touch on what you've done, but what I wanted to highlight is the recent legislation you were able to pass. It was quite unique, and actually, it's very rare. Um, you you were actually able to achieve something that happens rarely. Well, uh, thank you very much, Dottie. But uh, I really have to, to give the credit to my son and the police officers who worked in the Integrated Child Exploitation Unit because that's what got me aware of what was really going on in our country, Canada. And this was approximately a decade ago. And what got me into this whole whole area is I started working with the victims of human trafficking. 
It touched my heart, and I knew I had to do something. It's a worldwide problem. Uh, young girls are trafficked between the U.S. and Canada. We're partners, all of us, in stopping this horrendous crime on the North American continent and worldwide. So I put a bill forward, mandatory minimums, as Glendine has said, mandatory minimums for traffickers of children 18 years and under. And this particular bill addresses uh, sexual exploitation. It addresses um, forced labor. It addresses uh, organ removal, everything. But the one that I center on is the sexual exploitation because this is most common. And this is happening on our soil here in North America on a daily basis. It's happening to street kids. It's happening to our daughters who live in our homes and uh, suddenly they disappear. It's happening to people from different walks of life, different religions. These perpetrators, these criminals are not particular. How they work is they isolate the child from their networks, from their families, from their communities. And how they do that is by coming on very friendly and by being very, very um, amenable to everything this kid might want, whether it might be friends, uh, going to parties, or if they're having a little bit of uh, complaint about their parents, whatever it is, they suddenly become great friends, and they provide them with what they want. After they get them, it changes. They force them into the sex trade. They rape them. They shoot them up with drugs. They destroy these young girls' and boys' lives. It's not just girls. So I have been working with the victims, and I've done several things here in the Parliament of Canada. The first one is to get it on our Status of Women community so we could, committee so we could study the problem. When I, first, um, when I first introduced the topic, everyone said there's no human trafficking. I thought this was ridiculous. And so, you know, Joy, that's uh, so funny. I, I, I hear that today, and I fought with very qualified, educated U.S. attorneys and prosecutors to just get them to believe there were victims. I think that's a huge point uh, to make. Um, with mm -hmm. professionals, the first part of helping the victims is getting someone to believe that it exists. Well, as a member of the Canadian Parliament, can you imagine how humiliating it was, Dottie, to actually be laughed at? I went back to my office, I had a good cry, and then I got more determined. And so I finally <laughs> got it on the status of women. And once, and once you get it on this committee, then we have the money to bring these people in. We pay for their airfare to testify on committee and their food and their lodging. So I brought them in, and I can tell you, nobody was laughing anymore. There were tears in people's eyes. And having said that, I put Motion C-153 in Parliament of Canada, calling, all parli calling on all parliamentarians to combat this human trafficking issue here in Canada and worldwide. It was passed unanimously by Parliament. And then I started on my Bill C-268, mandatory minimum sentences for traffickers of children 18 years and under. In other words, if someone is caught buying and selling a person under 18 years old, they will spend time in jail. So it was, you know, really nice. It was rare. Uh, in the Canadian Parliament, this particular bill is a private member's bill, and there's been only 14 private member's bills that have amended the Canadian Criminal Code passed in Parliament since Confederation in 1867. So when I did my bill, you know, it was a, a lot of work, a lot of push, 
but the motivation was the victims and the police officers and the NGOs who worked so hard with these victims. So I got a past. It's now part of the Criminal Code of Canada, and I'm very, very pleased about that. Thank you so much. I know and can only imagine, I mean, I know from my experience, and only can imagine how much more difficult it was for you to get that passed, and I appreciate the struggles you went through. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, I'd like to get in um, to this bill and to help others uh, understand what you did and how they can do it where they are. This is Dottie Laster on uh, Hear Women Talk Radio, produced by the Zeus Network. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to Trafficked on Hear Women Talk Radio, produced by the Zeus Network. We are we took a break as we were discussing in the first segment about how Member of Parliament Joy Smith had enacted legislation which makes mandatory minimum sentencing for anyone convicted of child trafficking. And uh, we're going to pick up with her now. She is on a very short time schedule, so I'm going to let her... Um, speak about that bill and what she wants us to know about people who traffic children. Joy. Thank you, Dottie. And thank you. It's an honor, as I told you, Dottie, to be on your program and to be able to get information out to the public because we as a nation here in Canada and our partners in the U.S., I've worked very, very closely with um, the um, government uh, offices in the United States and uh, have uh, made several trips to Washington uh, on this issue because we're united here on the North American continent to stop this human trafficking uh, problem that we have. Um, This bill that I I put forward was very important because here in Canada, uh, traffickers were buying and selling children and getting away with it. We had one man, Manny Pacani, I'll give you an example. He uh, trafficked a 15-and-a-half-year-old girl for over three years. He made $350,000 off of her. He bought himself a new house, a BMW, and uh, this poor girl's life was absolutely ruined. He, he, he threatened her. He, he threatened her family through her, uh, and she was very, 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 very afraid. She almost lost her life. Having said that, uh, she did get out of the uh, trafficking ring, and uh, I, I work with her, and I meet with her, and I, I help her, and now she's uh, getting an education. And um, But, you know, she's a beautiful young girl from an average family. It's just uh, wonderful uh, to see her progress right now. So after I did the bill, which just got uh, through Parliament this last June, I wrote a national strategy, which I've been working on for two and a half years. It's called Connecting the Dots, and it is a proposal for a national national action plan to combat human trafficking because we have to put in the laws to go after these perpetrators, but we also have to rehabilitate the victims, and we have to work together as a nation and as a community. I think education is our greatest weapon, and I would say to your listeners out there, Dottie, that they should get on my website, www.joysmith.ca, and they would find out all about human trafficking. They could go to their community centers, to their churches, to their schools, and train the children, uh, train the young people in schools and, and in their communities about what to look for. Because the key thing here 
is these kids are targeted. They can be from any community, any jurisdiction. It's not just the street kids. They can be targeted, and how they do it is by befriending them. But they should also teach your children, never let anybody take your identification. Don't let anyone take your driver's license, take your charge card, take your birth certificate. Don't let them do it. Because once you've given your identification to somebody else, you're not a person anymore. You, and if they take you to another city, you're completely lost. So these kinds of things have to be out there, Dottie. This national um, action plan that I've written called Connecting the Dots really does connect the dots. It connects police officers with the non-governmental organizations, uh, with the community workers, with teachers, with everybody, so they can um, combat this, uh, this horrendous crime. Well, thank you so much, and I appreciate what you've done and how you are helping to connect the dots. And uh, we will put your link. It's in our chat room now. We will also put it on our Hear Women Talk social site. And uh, do you have anything else to wrap up? I know you have to run. You are busy, and I appreciate the time that you've spent with us. Well, you know, uh, what you're doing right now as um, a radio show host and a person, a person who does... Uh, champion uh, the rights of women and children and what your guests have done uh, in terms of, of putting the word out there is of paramount importance and I would implore that all your listeners, listeners learn about what is going on with your children learn about human trafficking become knowledgeable and make sure your kids become knowledgeable it's a rising crime in the US and in Canada and it's worldwide, and it has to be stopped. Our responsibility as world citizens, as Canadian citizens, as U.S. citizens, is to protect our most vulnerable populations. Our youth is our hope for the future, and we cannot let this go on, cannot let this happen. It's just not uh, democratic, or, or it's just not the way we live in a free country. So uh, I would say that to your listeners, become educated on this horrendous crime. Thank you so much, and please keep us updated. We will have you on again. Member of Parliament, Joyce. It's been Smith. my pleasure. It's been my pleasure, Dottie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I urge you to go into our chat room and look at the uh, links that we have up there to what she has just been speaking about. And also, we will post them on the Hear Women Talk Trafficked Social Group. So please join our group. Now, I have, the, again, the most wonderful honor to introduce Frank Dukes of Bloodsport fame and many, many accomplishments since then. I called him because this legislation is focused to make sure people that traffic women, children, and anyone who's a victim go to jail and receive appropriate sentences. I want Frank's thoughts on um, Member of Parliament Smith's actions and maybe uh, a bit of threat or warning to these bad guys. Frank, how are you? Hey, how you doing, Dottie? It's a pleasure to be here. Um, Thank you for being here again. I got to congratulate Joy Smith. I mean, she really is connecting the dots. Uh, the, the thing that I love about her program is she's not only just dealing with the sentencing, but she's dealing with the rehabilitation of the victims and education with regards to 
you know, an ounce of the old saying goes, you know, was it an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? And I think that's really important that we have educational programs in our schools that teach children how to be aware of this kind of manipulation and what's going on. I mean, you know, I think that's more important than an arithmetic problem. You know, if you're going to equate time spent as far as uh, protecting children or teaching them how to function in a, in a society. Um, unfortunately, I, you know, we might differ on, uh, on how uh, these guys should be treated. Uh, my personal feeling is anybody who traffics in children, it should be a capital crime. Uh, I think they murder the spirit, they murder the soul. And when they do this, the, the victims... You know, they can recover and function in society, but they never really fully, fully recover from the horrors of this. And what's really interesting is in the Pacific Northwest, the, the, the biggest trafficking site, uh, and actually in the United States, is, is a small town of Portland, Oregon. Um, it's not uncommon to give your listeners an idea of what goes on. They'll pick up a 13-year-old girl. They'll wrap her in saran wrap to keep her bound. Just imagine the horror of that, being a, a, be barely able to breathe, and then they'll gang rape her. And we're talking 15 individuals at a time until they break her spirit and will, and then she's stuck in that life. They prey upon 15-year-old girls in, in, in the way of befriending them, like becoming like daddy figures to them. Um, the lost father figure that the, these young girls are looking for because that's when they're most vulnerable. You know, women, as, you know, who, who've been a victim of this will tell you that it's only because they trusted because they were looking for that loss. And I can only encourage fathers to really be active with their daughters, not, especially in, in situations where the home, they, they, they may have a, you know, a, a home where it's a single mother and, and the father's trying to raise the daughter, they need to be more more present in their daughter's lives and in boys' lives too because a lot of people don't even think about boys being trafficked, trafficked as well and abducted. So You're absolutely but, correct. And, and one point I wanted to pick up on too is, you know, you were talking about the horrific things done to them and, and you know, the multiple tortures. When they do escape, they're often not believed. Um, oh, which makes it further damaging to them. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we need to ha uh, provide sanctuaries for these people, for these young people and, and children. To me, there's nothing worse and more horrible than someone preying upon a child. You know, in the old days, he used to drive a stake through the guy's heart and take his head, put it on a, on a pike and hang it up in front of the village to let everybody know this is what happens if you if you do this to a child. And that's kind of what I think we need to do. We've, we've become too tolerant and too concerned with some of these victims, uh, not the victims, I'm sorry, these perpetrators' rights, where we have foregone the, the victims' rights. And, and, I, and you, you know, of course we have to deal with things with a certain amount of humanity, but at the same time, a lot of these guys, they're, you know, Sexual predators, for example, are recidivists. There's, they will tell you there's no cure for them. Um, and, and that's kind of unfortunate. I think one of the things we can do is, is provide them a place where they can function, where they aren't, you know, it, it, working within our society. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to having entire communities composed of them. But, um, 
you know, well, you know, sort, you know. I mean, I mean, short of, like I said, uh, my belief with someone who traffics a child who's engaged in it should be a capital crime. That's my. Well, belief. I appreciate that, Frank. And actually, we'd like you to be in charge of taking care of these guys once we find them. <laughs> our women in the chat room, our women yeah. in the chat room are writing that they would like to uh, have you come with us and uh, address some of these guys personally. Um, well, I've done I, it. I've done it. I'm known for doing it. I mean, I got in serious trouble in the Philippines. I wasn't allowed to. I was told never to come back because I was dealing with the Mura Army. The Mura Army are is a practice where they basically enslave children on these fishing vessels and they basically get them to dive um, in these nets. They get actually below the net and they push the net up and then they capture all the fish that way. And they make these children dive like, uh, you know, um, seven to nine times a day. Most of these kids end up blind and uh, uh, also loss of hearing because they're in and out of the water so much without any kind of protection. They live on board these ships with open fires. Uh, they, the ships themselves look like slave ships with maybe two feet in between each person as far as, uh, as far as being able to sleep. And these kids may work for a buck fifty a day, but the parents, are, when they sign the contract, don't read the fine print and they find out that they're responsible for paying the, the guys two dollars a day for taking care of the kids. So the longer the kids there, the, more indebted the family gets, and they they're basically stuck in in eventual perpetuity. They're 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 actually locked in with these guys. That's what happened to all my swords, by the way. People ask what happened to my my ninja swords and the swords I won with my kumite, and they had a fancy feeling for them, and I would I would sell them. So to well, get them out of Well, thank you for all you did in protecting kids, and and I would like to do a show specifically on those on those ships we have to go to break now and i just wanted to appreciate again your words and support of joy smith's actions thank you frank and we'll be right back on hear women talk radio You're welcome. welcome back everyone to traffic with Dottie laster on hear women talk radio produced and broadcast by the zeus network well, we had a great first hour, or first half hour. We had Joy Smith, Member of Parliament from Canada, missing woman Jessie Foster's mother to explain about her case. And we got a wonderful um, threat and uh, promise by Frank Dukes to uh, keep working to uh, um, help correct these guys that are uh, benefiting from the exploitation of women and children and even men. And so uh, we always like having Frank around. Uh, he's the big brother that protects us girls out there that are kicking the hornet's nest. So um, anyhow, Frank's the best guy. I am now on the phone with a wonderful woman I've met recently and had the great, great privilege of spending many late nights, phone calls, texts, and chats as we have been working together. <laughs> she is a true sister now because anyone that can go through that, with me at 3 in the morning. Yeah, you get to know someone quick when you do that. She is calling in from Barry University. This is Julie Schmatz from Beauty from Ashes. Welcome, Julie, and thanks for calling. Thank you, Dottie. Thank you very much um, for having me on, and, you know, thank you for what you're doing. You're, you're, uh, 
you were a piece that we were in need of, and we're very, very thankful to have you and your team and your network to be partnering with us now. Well, great. Well, I like how the universe threw us together and put us in the fire from the beginning because uh, I have a feeling that's going to happen again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tell me a bit about Beauty from Ashes. Well, Beauty from Ashes Ministries, um, we are based out of Fort Myers, Florida. We are a national organization that we are working with in the community and with local and national law enforcement. Um, we provide awareness and prevention, intervention, restoration, and advocacy for the victims of commercialized sexual exploitation and their families. So what brought you to this? Let's back up and learn a bit about you and, and how you develop Beauty from Ashes. Well, um, just in a real quick nutshell, um, I am an overcomer of um, trafficking, uh, the commercialized sexual exploitation industry, um, labor as well as sex trafficking. And when I was able to break free of the destructive lifestyle, um, I just had a passion um, for being in it for almost seven years that I wanted to help the other girls that I had seen across the nation um, that felt like they were uh, desperate, felt like they were stuck. Um, even though I was able to get out, my heart went back to them, and I just kind of vowed that I was going to do whatever I could to try to let them know that if and when they want out, that I would try the best means possible to try to help them, and not just to get out, but then to help walk them through the restoration process. Um, so that's really how Beauty from Ashes Ministries was birthed. Um, we became an official nonprofit back in 2005, and we just continue moving forward and expanding our territories. And um, I'm obviously a victim's advocate. Um, having been a victim myself, um, I prefer to be uh, referred to as an overcomer. A victim is in need of rescuing. A survivor is an individual that has been rescued. And an overcomer is someone that's been able to overcome the diverse complexity, um, the trauma, and the wounding that's occurred to them. I really like that, and I, I'm glad you explained overcomer. That is a good term because, you know, getting out of this is not just a simple straight shot, is it? No, it's um, it's very um, complicated often, um, whether an individual is being um, physically restrained or psychologically in bondage to um, their trafficker, um, or whether it's an individual. Um, we don't limit working with just trafficking victims. If you are an individual that has participated in commercialized sexual exploitation, which would be um, stripping, um, it could be um, pornography, it could be prostitution, um, even the ones that at some point in their life that they that they felt that they were making the decision that they wanted to go into it, um, and then later down the road they feel trapped, um, feeling like they can't get out, that's what we want to do is we want to let them know that there is a way out and help get them the resources um, for them to get out of it. But then the journey of healing begins. I mean, I, I've been out for eight years, October 4th, coming up on my anniversary, um, but I'm still in the journey of healing and recovery. Um, it's been pretty intense for the past seven years, and I've been fortunate to have um, licensed um, mental health counselors and therapists that have worked with me, and um, I have a strong um, support community, a healthy community, um, removing um, myself and, and getting girls away from 
um, or anybody really, when you're wanting to, you know, um, improve your lifestyle, you need, you know, you need a new a playground and new friends. Um, so that's part of what we do. Um, we we provide um, services to the girls that could be anything from um, sh- uh, short-term emergency to long-term um, uh, residential um, referrals. Um, we have a mentoring um, program that we actually set them up with. Just not one mentor. I'm a firm believer that it can be multiple mentors, and I I, I believe that they should be have mental, multiple uh, mentors. Um, from personal experience, just having one. Um, you know, one person is not going to be able to mentor you in everything, and I think it's in developing this healthy community for these girls to have multiple healthy, mature um, Christian um, women um, to, you know what I mean, stand beside them and support them and walk them through um, the complexities that they're going to encounter um, healing and recovering is vital. It's going to be vital to um, keeping them from going back to the industry and then healing and really becoming overcomers. Um, I really uh, appreciate that and the explanation of, you know, basically you have to rebuild someone's social network, and that's such a good point that it, it's got to be broad, not just one individual. Absolutely, and an important aspect of that is that the the survivor has to choose those people. I mean, I've seen mentoring situations that when you try to pair people with mentors, often it might not work. So that's why we try to um, pair them with individuals that we've screened out, that we um, you know have a have you know checked their uh, background and so forth, and actually put them through um, training and so forth, and then let them choose and pick. You know what? I clicked with this person. I like this person. Okay, that's good. And then moving forward, and then we're actually moving forward to where we actually get together as a team then. Um, their recovery team gets together. That way we can discuss the cases. And that also will help prevent things that we know is is um, very common with the victims or the survivors. Um, splitting, you know what I mean, turning one caregiver against the other. Um, that comes into some of the complexities that you deal with, but that kind of helps us head things off at the path and, and provide them with the best services available. Well, I really appreciate and that's a theme that I've mirrored in my um, work is to let the victim drive what they need and the victim to give them informed um, ability to make decisions. You know, we certainly um, guide and framework and help them. We just don't throw them out there. But I, so many well-meaning people will themselves, just maybe through lack of working with trafficking victims, begin to infantize the victim and not let them make reasonable informed decisions and I appreciate I appreciate what you've set up we are going to take a short break now and I want to come back and we'll discuss your procedures if someone were out there and needed help this is Dottie Laster on Hear Women Talk Radio welcome back to Trafficked on Hear Women Talk Radio produced by the Zeus Network we are uh, speaking with founder and CEO of Beauty for Mashes, Julie Schmetz, and I want to really take a moment and direct your attention to her website, beautyformashes.org. She has a button you can click on, BFA Art, and you will see some of the most amazing art on her site. All the proceeds from that support the nonprofit work of Beauty for Mashes, and I tell you, 
I would love, love, love to have one of her murals for my daughter's room or in my home. I mean, it just made me smile to see those. So thank you, Julie. And let's pick back up. We were talking about Beauty from Ashes. And um, let's say someone's out there that needs help. What would your procedure be? Well, it, it, it's going to vary a little bit depending on how they actually contact us um, because we do work with um, the local human trafficking task force as well as with um, Homeland Security, which would be ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement. Um, now, if they, we actually receive victims in that manner, they'll contact us and tell us that they have a victim. Um, they usually give us, we'll get to some basic information, and then we assess um, based on that information, where would be the best placement um, for them? So then we determine, um, and then we work kind of as a caseworker to get them um, placed into a short-term or long-term residential um, or a program, um, and then immediately we go to work to assess um, education. We assess, um, do they need medical attention? If so, what kind of medical attention? If that particular um, program or center does not provide that, oftentimes they do provide it and then we just kind of work as, um, I, what would I say, an enforcer to make sure that they're getting those services uh, moving forward. Um, we've had minor victims that we've actually um, were able to give them testing to assess where they were educationally wise. Um, we had a 15-year-old that was pregnant. Um, and we were able to assess her online through PACE. Um, she was having some difficulties um, staying in the alternative education system. So what we did is we arranged to, we enrolled her in a private school and was able to arrange her to have a daily mentor. Um, it could be adult women. Um, if we get an adult woman, um, oftentimes the victims um, have um, their own medications um, or so forth, so then we assess where's the best place to put them. And depending on the severity of their trauma, we're obviously going to pair them with organizations that are um, providing them with licensed, uh, you know, counseling, um, psychiatric help, and so forth. So it just depends on the case, you know what I mean, how we get them. We do a lot of outreach. Um, we do outreach locally here. We actually go into a strip club, and we've actually went into strip clubs across the nation and trained various churches on our model of um, outreach and ministry. Um, so once we get the girls that come out um, that indicate that they are interested in meeting outside of the club, we actually have forms that we take in and have them fill out to assess, um, you know, basically, do you know what a mentor is? Would you like to uh, meet one-on-one? -on -one? Are you interested in group? Um, what are your dreams? You know, what are some things that you want to do? Um, so that's a way that we, we do a preliminary assessment. And then once they come out and, and we um, start relationship with them, um, one of the first things, if we can meet them um, personally one-on-one, -on -one, is we want to get them into a licensed um mental health counselor, social worker, um, or psychiatrist or um, psychologist so we can get um, a diagnosis um, because that helps um, us to be able to Let me go, go back ahead. just a second. I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking as you're talking. Can you describe going into the strip clubs as, as I have someone here that does that too? And I think our audience has to be having the same questions. What's it like? Just describe going in and working with folks in the, the strip clubs. Well, um, we have a particular club here in Fort Myers that we've been going in for six years. Um, they actually let us go in and go right into the locker room. And approximately two years ago, 
um, what we were doing is we were going in during holidays and bringing gift bags that included um, fluff items. Um, and what I mean by that would be um, basic toiletries, beauty supplies, you know, lipstick. I mean, Dottie, I could give you one of the gifts, and you know, you'd be thrilled about it too. It's not necessarily, you know, directed towards a, a dancer or a stripper, but it would also give them contact information. Um, oftentimes, um, my testimony or other girls' testimonies, just to give them hope, because when they read a testimony and see that somebody was where they were at and they were able to get out, that gives them hope that they don't have to stay there forever, and oftentimes they, they do feel a sense of hopelessness. Um, but at the same time, we're not there to judge anybody that is empowered by it, and if they feel that it's perfectly fine, that's great. Usually the way I, I, I um, bridge that gap is just by connecting with them in the sense that, well, then you know that there's girls in here that need help, so when you see them break down, when you see them getting fired because of doing drugs, when you see them, you know what I mean, going through their manic attacks, when you see them, you know, crying because they're homeless, please give them our card. So we're able to work within the the strip club and the employees with great favor. Um, and then the other thing, we are faith-based, is we include Bibles. I like to be give them the written word. Um, the words so they can listen to it, lots of times in the form of music or testimonies or teachings. Um, and then um, also we like to give DVDs. Um, and it could be, again, it could be like um, the most recent one we did was an interview I did with um, a pastor by the name of Rod Parsley on his television program, and I talked about how I got out of the industry. Um, or it could be um, a DVD like The Passion of the Christ or Bad Girls of the Bible. Um, so basically, um, so we give the gift bags, but then two years ago, um, we decided that we were going to start, uh, we really wanted to build relationship. That's our objective, is to build relationship with these girls. They um, typically do not trust, and we knew by going in there repeatedly, and what is, what is a common way that you build relationship? You eat with them. So what oh, we started I love doing... that. <laughs> Let me focus on that. So you start um, um, building you know, uh, a repetitive um, contact with them. And, and right. I, I've worked with other groups around the nation. And, yes, the, the formula that you're talking about is something that seems to be um, replicated and working, which is going in with the gift bags, going in, showing respect, going in, just meeting them where they need to be met and then letting that door stay open and whatever they reach out to you and I think that's just beautiful we have just another minute or two um, I really want to uh, get your last words because we're going to have you on again my goal is just to introduce you and uh, let people know about your organization and I really like the way you reached into the strip clubs because uh, I've seen that over and over and it does work um, so tell me, give me two more minutes. What do you think people should know about Beauty from Ashes? Um, well, I, I guess some of the big news is that we recently um, received a grant from the Department of Health and Human Services capacity building grant that we're really excited about. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we've done trainings across the nation um, to replicate our model of outreach and ministry. Um, and now we're, we're able to take that curriculum to a whole new level. Um, with the grant, we've been able to hire a professional um, 
curriculum developer and what we're going to have is like different modules. Um, so basically, um, as we move forward and launch this curriculum, we're going to have a modular, for instance, like domestic minor sex trafficking. We're going to have a modular for, um, you know, sex trafficking. We'll have a modular for mentoring. We'll have a modular for um, outreach, you know, how to, how to do outreach. Um, a modular for um, the general community, people that are going to be um, involved or coming in contact with these survivors, some basic things that you need to know and be aware of working with them. So that's that's um, a pretty huge um, um, achievement that we were able to get this year. It is the first grant that we wrote for and the first one that we received. So I'm really excited about the curriculum is supposed to be done um, by the end of the year, and we're hoping to launch it. We do um, host a national training um, here in Fort Myers once a year, and, and that will be here at Barry University probably the beginning of the year. If people just want to watch the website, um, we do have an e-newsletter that um, has a link there, a button that people can click on, get added to our newsletter, and we'll be able to give them updated, you know, reports on, you know, when the trainings and so forth are coming. Um, that is such great news. Here, you've written for a grant, you received <laughs> it, you're off and running, you've got just this whirlwind of activity around you, and it sounds like you have the hosting and support of a university. My gosh, what a great, great package. Um, congratulations. Thanks. Thanks, Dottie. Um, well, I, I would be giving the one that I believe that really gets all the credit a disservice of it I, if I did not take the opportunity just to thank um, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I mean, he's really the one who reached and rescued and has been um, the main part of the foundation of restoring me. And we believe that because we are a faith-based organization, um, we put Christ first, and we really believe that it's him that's opening these doors. And we know ultimately that the Bible tells is that his heart is passionate about um, seeing justice um, carried out and to restoring the broken. And um, we just want to be his hands and feet. Well, thank you so much. And um, I appreciate all you're doing. We'll have you back uh, soon as we're developing a series that we're going to focus on about the rescue that we initiated recently. Um, we're, we're not talking about it yet, but it won't be long. So I can't wait for your return. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Julie. Well, and I just, I just thank you again, uh, Dottie. I can't thank you enough for what um, your organization has been able to do, and I do look forward to networking, working with you in the future. All right, more 3 a.m. chats and phone calls. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, have a good day. Thanks, Julie. All right. All right, God bless. Bye-bye. Well, we have just a few moments left, and I would like to bring on a heroine, a wonderful woman who assisted us in a way, boy, I just can't describe it, but I would like um, to introduce Jennifer, 90 seconds. Jennifer Kiesling yeah. from Hawk Investigations. Hello, Daddy. How are you? Hey, how are you? We have 90 seconds. I'm being such an amazing talk show host and promoter by totally teasing our audience <laughs> with you. So tell me in about um, one paragraph, um, no details, but you were actually um, rescuing someone seconds. recently. <laughs> Can you describe how we called you and what you did? 
Uh, sure. I answered the phone at um, <laughs> two o'clock in the afternoon one day. Poor you. I'm, I'm sorry. Was, I'm sorry. I said, poor you. You picked I'm up the sorry. phone. Yeah, I answered the phone and um, was asked if I could help out an individual, um, a girl who was a victim of being trafficked, and that we had about you know, two hours or so to meet with her and get her on a plane. Okay, we're going to um, stop so there. I... Hold on, we're going to stop there. <laughs> you had two hours to get her on a plane. We are at the end of our show, and I'm going to have you back soon to finish that story. This is Dottie Laster, okay. host of Traffic. Thank you for listening, and uh, I am teasing you for our next program. Bye-bye.